This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week. And often, especially in this hour, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. And tonight we are celebrating our 16th affiliate of the nationally syndicated John and Leah show. We are now on in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, where I actually went to college at Georgetown University. We are on WWRC, thrilled to be on in Washington. And for those of you in Washington, make sure you uh, check out our uh, our T-shirt that we made especially for you, <laughs> uh, actually for anybody who uh, is conservative and enjoys humor. Uh, and enjoys poking fun at the absurd Washington Redskin name or nickname controversy, which just will not go away until the liberals finally get their way and the Redskins are forced to to change that nickname, which I, I think is, has a pretty good chance of eventually happening. But I, I urge you to go to the website, www.redskinst, letter T, shirt, redskinstshirt.com, and you will see uh, how we have changed the Redskins logo. To have in the center of it, instead of that that very majestic warrior that has been uh, mocked by the news media as somehow being racist when it's not, we've put in the face of Elizabeth Warren. Which is, ugh. Well, we've put in a... <laughs> It's not that ugly. It's you know, it's much funnier than it is ugly. Uh, she is the Democratic senator from Massachusetts who laughably claimed at one point to be a Native American. So we've put her face in the logo, and you'll check it out for yourself. We've got a little um, phrase on top of it, and uh, it's a pretty good joke. You also get to see my daughter modeling the T-shirt, which might be the best reason to go to That's Redsk- worth it. RedskinsT-shirt.com. That's www.redskinst, the letter T, shirt. Dot com. But more importantly than all of that, uh, welcome to Washington, D.C. Thrilled to be on in our nation's capital and a, a place where I have spent uh, a lot of time, especially in my youth. Now, uh, speaking of uh, sports, I wanted to update uh, something we discussed last week. Last week, we were talking about the Little League World Series, and I referenced the fact that ESPN had suspended announcer Kurt Schilling, the former Major League yes. Baseball pitcher. Uh, because he had the audacity to retweet. Uh, right, I don't, I'm actually not even sure if you would rephrase it as a retweet, but he he tweeted out a um, one of those uh, internet deals where there was a, a photograph of Hitler and there was a comparison made between the number of Muslim extremists as a percentage of the overall Muslim population mm-hmm. and the percentage of Nazis as a percentage of the overall German population under the reign of Hitler. And, 5%, something like right, that. Well, the, and the numbers, uh, at least uh, alleged, and I, and I don't know what the real numbers are, but but the, the alleged numbers were very similar. Then, and, and it's a fair, if assuming the numbers are remotely accurate, it's a fair analogy. You know, right. so, because people, and, and, and here's the important part, and the, you know, the morons in the media, I mean... Idiots! They they thought that somehow Schilling was comparing Muslims to Nazis. And that's not what he was doing. They refused to make a difference between Muslims and extremists. They refused. It was in the tweet. It was clear that the the comparison was Muslim extremists, i.e. terrorists and their sympathizers, are analogous 
to Nazis. Muslims and the overall population was analogous to Germans. And the point point was that a small percentage of a population could wreak enormous havoc, much like the Nazis did in Germany, and much like the, the terrorists have done within the Muslim population. Now, the analogy, to be fair, breaks down in an important way, but not in a racist way. It breaks down because there's not a Muslim nation, so to speak, right. like like there was a German nation. But the point is still valid, and it's not racist. It's not anti- It's not offensive even a little bit. Right. <laughs> and so, thank you. And so the bottom line is ESPN being the bastion of liberalism and political correctness that they have become ever since having been taken over by Disney, they banned Kurt Schilling from doing the Little League World Series. Now, what made this completely ridiculous was at the very same time, another one of their announcers, Chris Carter, who just happens to be black, and I'm sure this had nothing to do for the massive disparity in the punishment given out, but Chris Carter have been found to have been given a speech, which by, which is far more impactful, by the way, than a stupid little tweet, but he gave a speech to incoming NFL players. You know, they have, they have these conferences where incoming NFL players are, are spoken to by former players to kind of give them the lay of the land, what not yeah, to here's do. Here's what's going to happen. Right, and so Chris <laughs> Carter, ESPN announcer, he tells these these incoming NFL players, you know what? It might be a good idea if you get one of your buddies, one of your pals, to be your fall guy for when you commit crimes to take <laughs> the blame for you. Now, and that's not racist at all. No, not at all. No, no, no racism here because, after all, Chris Carter is black. There so, you go. And, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I am not exaggerating. You can check it out for yourself. Google it. I am telling you exactly what Chris Carter said. What did Chris Carter get for punishment? He got a... A raise. (laughs) Who knows if he got a raise. But he he got a statement saying, we're disappointed and disagree with Chris Carter. That's it. No suspension, no nothing. Just, you know, the slightest slap on the wrist possible. Not even a slap, more like a massage of the wrist. And he's good to go. Well, it got worse this week when Kurt Schilling not only didn't come back as had been previously announced, now he's suspended for the rest of the baseball season. It's just unbelievable. All because he further explained properly and very reasonably how his tweet was not racist to a, a media blogger. So let me get this straight. You tweet something that's not racist, not inappropriate. You get an unfair suspension because you're a white conservative. And then you further explain yourself perfectly rationally. And then you get further punished in a huge way. I mean, it's a lot of money. Who knows? He might, he, my guess is he'll never be back. because well, once, good. I'd go but, somewhere else. Well, Who wants to work for these people? But that's the problem. They're a monopoly. Well, See, go e- to Fox. ESPN is a monopoly, and well, but they don't they don't do as much baseball as ESPN does. I mean, so the reality is, and there's not that many jobs. ESPN ESPN controls the sports world, and ESPN is evil. They are evil. Well, that's and, true. And the most important part of this Kurt Schilling thing is, 
Next time you wonder why it is that conservatives, you know, who are celebrities, don't come out as conservatives. This and is why. This <laughs> is exactly why. Because you are completely vulnerable. You're flapping in the wind. Nobody has your back. And then when you get taken down, there's not a peep from the other side. Only Sarah Palin that I've seen has stood up strongly for Kurt Schilling. N- there's nobody. If it happens in the other direction, the left has all sorts of forces immediately to attack on your behalf. You are protected, and there will be a backlash, and nothing will happen to you in the future if you're a good you know, card-carrying liberal. As a conservative, you're screwed. And that's why celebrities don't come out as conservatives, and it's partially our fault. All right, when we come back, more on ESPN and their role in Deflategate, which took a huge uh, turn this week, and uh, lots of other things still to come in this final hour of this edition of the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Love that music. It reminds me of uh, my days at Georgetown as we are uh, celebrating a brand new affiliate in uh, Washington, D.C., WWRC. All our affiliates can be found at our website, www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. All right. Um, ESPN is evil, Leah Brandon. Um, yes. If I had uh, unlimited funds... And I'm amazed that nobody has done this, and I'm even more amazed that Fox Sports Channel hasn't figured this out. I think somebody could make a mint if they created a conservative-leaning sports network because ESPN has gone off the deep end on the liberal PC front. And it's, oh, absolutely. And it's not just about, you know, Kurt Schilling getting suspended while Chris Carter uh, gets nothing. It's way Caitlyn Jenner. Oh, it's way beyond. Yeah, Caitlyn Jenner getting the the Courage Arthur Ashe Courage Award. I mean, it's a weekly basis, and it's on a weekly basis where they blow stories. Um, large, not always because of their liberal leanings or their PC leanings, but that see, I think that plays a huge role because when you're when you're a liberal and when you're super PC, in other words. Idiots! <laughs> I love that. Um, facts don't matter. Right, right. You, the prism through which you see the world is all messed up. So therefore, yes. so you perceive reality all wrong, or you perceive it's brain damage. Right, it really right, is what right. it is. So, so you get data, and it goes through your brain damage, and it comes out all wrong. Right. And, and so ESPN has blown story after story after story. And this week we learned, as I've been saying for quite a while, that they blew Deflategate in a huge way. Now, we don't know for sure that Deflategate is totally over. Um, let's let's stipulate right off the bat, though, that Deflategate as a story was... It was just flat-out ridiculous. I mean, it was the dumbest story that has ever gotten to this level in my memory. Ever. Yes, it was. I mean, it was... It, I mean, if, if at every level, it's absolutely... It's just flat out ridiculous. Because, for one, it didn't happen. If it had, this feels like global warming. It didn't happen, but if it had happened, it was no big deal. That's right. And um, what advantage was it? None. 
Um, and there's no evidence there was any advantage. And now, according to a judge, you know, even though his ruling that Tom Brady can play to begin the season was not technically based on the facts of the case, if you followed the hearing closely, it was clear the judge was like, get this the hell out of here. You <laughs> you guys have not a clue. There, there's no evidence here at all. But and, isn't the NFL, aren't they going to appeal? They're dumb enough that they might. Uh, you would think that they would realize, that, you know, stop digging. This is bad. Uh, but they might because Roger it's personal now. Well, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, may feel as if his his livelihood is on the line here because his power has really been diminished and rightfully so by this this ridiculousness. But here's how ESPN played a huge role in this. So when this whole story began, an ESPN reporter named Chris Mortensen who is one of their insiders. Now, now, there's nobody who has a greater conflict of interest in all of the media than an ESPN insider because you're reporting on people not only who, who your network has a business relationship with, but they're the reason why they're in business, both in both directions. And so what ends up happening that these insiders, they get used all the time for whatever corporate agenda is going on. And and they're so stupid, they don't even realize that that's what's happening. So, so here's what occurs. Long story short. So Chris Mortensen tweets, and this is how insane Twitter is now. So he tweets that 11 of the 12 footballs that the New England Patriots used in the AFC Championship game had been underinflated by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. And everyone went, oh, my God. It broke out like a rash. Yes, because we all got a chance to talk about Tom Brady's balls. And that's really the essence of this story. That's how that's how juvenile we have become as a nation and how absurd our media is. The, the, the ability to spend a whole summer when there's nothing else to talk about discussing Tom Brady's balls is what this was really all about. That was the essence of this story. But here's the true essence. That tweet wasn't just a little bit wrong. It was all wrong. Yeah. It was 100% wrong. The whole basis of the entire alleged scandal was false. So now, he's uh, fired. Oh, yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. In fact, in fact, he hasn't even really apologized. He's made some BS excuses. You're exactly right. There's not even any repercussions when yep. people do this. In fact, he's probably, they love it. he's probably applauded because he inadvertently, and I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there, he inadvertently gave ESPN tremendous content during Correct. the slow summer period. Good job, go. Chris. Way to create a completely false narrative that worked for us tremendously. You're going to have to find someone else to do it again next time. Exactly. That's what this is all about now, folks. It is about feeding the monster. It's feeding the media monster. And Tom Brady's balls fed the monster for three or four months. More when we come back on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And uh, Leah, before we leave Deflategate, uh, and because it definitely relates to what I want to talk about in this segment, uh, how evil ESPN is, you know, the, that tweet that Chris Mortensen, the ESPN reporter, sent out that created all of this firestorm, where he said that 11 of the 12 balls that the New England Patriots used in the AFC championship game were were very much underinflated. That was actually the first moment when my BS detector went off because I was presuming, because I'm, you know, a dope. At this point, I shouldn't accept anything that ESPN reports. But I I was accepting that, okay, that must be true or mostly true. But my BS detector was still going off because my first thought was, well, what about the 12th ball? (laughs) Right? Because think about this. Well, they always held one back just in case it would be tested. Oh, really? That was the that's theory? That's the 12th ball. Yeah, of course. But, but, no, but, that's my theory. Oh, but see, my understanding is that they don't have, they wouldn't have that much control over that. So my point was that, although you make a, an interesting counterpoint, my thought was if you were really going to do a conspiracy to make sure that all the, the balls that Tom Brady was using were underinflated, wouldn't you make sure that all the balls were underinflated in case the— no. w- you give them 11, take no, but, the air out, you hold back the 12 no, just but, in case. No, 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 but you're not – I think the, the, the disconnect here is that they don't have complete control over which ones would get in the game. And so oh. and so, so my point was, aren't you taking a chance that at a critical moment <laughs> the, the overinflated ball and as far, is, is, is in Tom Brady's hands and he's like, what the heck is this? Anyway, <laughs> the whole thing was absurd to begin with, and – the the theme of this hour that is that ESPN is evil in light of Kurt Schilling's suspension and the whole de- deflate gate absurdity. And in the third hour, we, we generally talk about things that occur in, in our bizarre lives. And so in that context, I want to at least mention that that um, as I promised during last week's third hour, this week I released a, a series of, of voluminous uh, pieces of information, uh, new interviews, photos, documents, in my never-ending quest to get to the actual real truth of the so-called Penn State scandal as opposed to the myth that ESPN created for its own purposes in two days and then decided that was the truth in stone when it was absolutely absurd back in November of 2011. And you know, not too many people, Leah, that could say, I think, very credibly that um, they have single-handedly disproven one of the biggest news stories of the decade, and no one cares. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> or at least— Yeah, that that's the bottom line. No one cares. No one's going to do anything about it. Now, I was very gratified, though, because it appeared from your Facebook post about my release of information this week, which people can find for themselves at my website, www.framingpaterno. That's framingpaterno.com. It's not a conspiracy theory. The framing is figurative, not literal. I hate the name. I chose it over three years ago when I started on this whole thing. But that's where the website is. It's framingpaterno.com. And if you check out the top story with an open mind, your mind will be blown. Um, I was gratified that based upon your Facebook posting about that uh, release, it seems as if you're a convert. Is that accurate? Well, uh, I think that if I'm not a 100% a convert, I think that uh, 
this whole thing was definitely rushed. I tell you what did it, what really did it for me and put a lot of questions in my mind. You're going to laugh. All right. Okay. So victim number one's mother. Right. And the cars that she has purchased. Right. The poor. That to me. Right. Says the whole thing is most a, likely is a farce. Well, no, that that doesn't surprise me at all because at at it, forget about the you know the billion data points that I could talk about, which we don't have time right. for. Uh, and I know this I know this case better than Jerry Sandusky does, and that's not an exaggeration. I, I Jerry doesn't have a clue about most of what happened in this whole deal. And I interviewed him in prison twice, went on the Today Show twice to discuss this. Uh, once with Dottie Sandusky, you can Google it and find it for yourself. Uh, I, I I went into this whole thing presuming, like everybody else did, that Jerry Sandusky was guilty as hell. Uh, but if you go to the website and check out what I released this week with an open mind, you're going to think, how the hell did this ever happen? But, right. but forgetting about all the data points, I agree with you 100%. Those photographs hit people at eye level. And, yep. it, and, and it, it is impossible, it is impossible in a rational world to wrap your brain around how it is that the mother of the key victim, the one that was the first one there, the, by the way, the public figure, they co-wrote a book together, Aaron Fisher is his name, her name is Dawn, he was the only accuser for two years of a grand jury investigation. Right. So, so if he go, if he's not telling the truth, the whole thing is falls apart. Completely falls apart. And I know that's hard for people to understand, but trust me, it's 100 percent true. Anyway, the point is, if his story is true, here's what happened: for three years, she fed him to the worst pedophile in you know local history, if not state history of Pennsylvania while she could go partying and drink and yes. didn't figure it out for three years. Now that's, that has to be his story. That's, that is victim number one story. So that has to be true for Aaron Fisher's story to hold water. Wait, wait, wait. And he was supposedly molested over a hundred times, right? A hundred times, which there's not a chance in the chance in the world that any mom had a clue wouldn't know that that was happening, right? Uh, I mean, there's no way. And, and that he didn't say anything to his best friend? Right. Well, that's another. Come on. But here, just to finish <laughs> with the cars. So the, the reason why the cars are so important, put yourself in the position of that mom. If Guilt. that If that story was true, you would not be able to go outside of the house. Right. You would not. You would have so much guilt, you would not be able to contain yourself. And you certainly would not use his money, because it's his money that he got from yeah. Penn State, to buy luxury automobiles. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. Multiple luxury automobiles. Porsche, Mercedes, and a couple of others. Not a chance in the world. And of course, <laughs> and if someone like me came to you and said, guess what? You're not the worst mother in the world. I have reason to believe that your son was not molested and that this whole thing was a fraud. Your reaction to me would be, what? Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're my hero. Tell me more. Instead, I'm the bad guy. No, uh, they're going to call the police on Right. They, they don't call the police on Jerry Zanusky <laughs> for three years while he's molesting a teenage boy a uh, you know, hundred times, but they're going to call the police on me. Um, 
for, yeah. that tells you everything you need to know. And forget yeah. about all the evidence. And it's important to remember there is no evidence in this case. You just just compare it to, to, to the Jared Fogle subway situation where they got real evidence. And that's girls, which is a totally different situation than teenage boys who are not homosexual. So this case has never made any sense. And so all I, I urge you to just to go to framingpaterna.com if you're remotely interested in how the media can blow a story of this magnitude. I think I've proven the case. Uh, and, you know, if you want to give me uh, your thoughts or suggestions, you can contact me through framingpaterno.com. And I was glad that, Leah, you appear to be at least moving in that direction. It made my day. I, I will say this, though. I've never done anything as difficult as this. I mean, I've taken on some tough fights. Uh, I've never shied away from doing what I think is right, uh, even if it's not um, even if it's unpopular. And this is as unpopular as it gets. But this has been really tough, not because of the arrows that I've taken, but because I have seen the worst of humanity. Yes. Uh, it is depressing to me. Didn't the, the appeal just get turned down? No, no, they, no. They, the prosecution just responded to the most, the, the most recent appeal in a pathetic fashion. But anyway, the, the point of this is I have seen so much stupidity and so much cowardice covering this story over the last three plus years that my already dim view of humanity has gotten so bad that if the Dalai Lama had been in my shoes, he would hate the species of homo sapiens as much as I do. I, it's, it's unhealthy. I have an yeah. unhealthy hatred for humanity. The, the people, by the way, some of the, the alleged bastions of society, people who are highly respected, have mm-hmm. completely wimped out crumbled, melted like candles in a blast furnace in utter puddle of cowardice because of the extreme toxicity of this case. It yes. is it is depressing. Uh, I, I went into this with a very low opinion of humans, and I, I have come so close to quitting so many times because I just cannot, I cannot take how cowardly, how stupid, and how pathetic most humans are because so many people know I'm right. And we'll do nothing. There's no way they can come out because then it is so toxic. It'll kill their career. But when did we get to the, you know what, I'm going to take a break. and you know, I want to talk about your, your dog. But when I come back, I want to talk about how the definition of courage has completely been bastardized in our society. Uh, on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. Welcome back. This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. You can check out all of the 16 stations across the nation that now carry us on Sunday evenings. And, uh, Leah, before we uh, talk about uh, the tragedy that you endured uh, with your dog this week, I, I, I wanted to kind of um, broaden what I've learned about uh, humanity uh, when it comes to my quest for the last three plus years to to find the truth and get some real justice in the so-called Penn State scandal by by um, kind of discussing this issue of courage. You know, now I wasn't alive, obviously, and maybe the history books are wrong, but it's my perception that when this country began 
The definition of courage was putting your life on the line, giving up your life for your nation or your family, and that yeah. this was expected. Right? Yeah, for, for the right cause, people were expected to be willing to give up their lives. If that had not been the case, we wouldn't exist as a nation. Well, that's true. Okay. Now, and, and we wouldn't have survived our many threats to our country. We probably wouldn't have won World War II if we hadn't, didn't have millions of people willing and, and actually do put their lives on the line and give up their lives for a cause. Yeah, but his cause isn't worth it to, to many people. No, no but, I but I, I'm not talking. I, I want to get this out of the, the, the realm of the Penn State and, and into just general. It, it see, To me, what I've found amazing is that to today's humans, including people who are highly respected in society, courage or sacrifice isn't about putting your life on the line. No, 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 no. People won't even put their jobs on the line. They right. won't. They won't even put their reputations on the line. They won't even put being criticized on the line. And, and by the way, they feel perfectly fine about. I've had people tell me I can't do anything because I would get criticized or I might lose my job. And I'm yes. like, so what? 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 what, what, what so I guess what I'm wondering is when did it become perfectly acceptable to wimp out because you might lose a job or you might get criticized? When did that well, happen? I mean, if well, if somebody loses their job in this day and age, chances are they can't get another one. Okay, and so <laughs> so they've got wives, kids. They've got they've got so much responsibility. But you know, I guess the part I get I get the equation. All right, I get it. What I don't get is the rationalization, because to the people I'm dealing with, that's legitimate. They're not wimping out, because it because after all, I might lose my job is a valid excuse, and that's the part that blows my mind. I mean, they don't even have any guilt. <laughs> that's that's the part I'm like, whoa, what, what, how, when did that happen? Um, and, and you know, anyway, I'm sure we'll talk about this more again in the future. I do want to acknowledge that um, that you went through a very difficult time this week. You are an animal lover extraordinaire. You yes. own three horses. Um, how many other pets do you have other than horses at this point? Just three horses and now one dog. And you lost one of your dogs this week. I did. So tell me about that dog. Well, his name was Snickers. And uh, I've never, ever adopted a senior dog, but the he... The way he came to me, it was just kind of one of those meant-to-be things. Um, so I adopted Snickers about three years ago, and um, he was the sweetest, most innocent, adorable little dog. You remember my other dog, Dennis, sure. who was the love of my life. Yep. Well, he was very similar to Dennis, and in fact, a groom, the, my groomer told me about this dog and said, look, he needs a home. So I gave him a home and he was very scared, uh, but he came out of his shell and he just turned out to be just an incredible dog. And um, he all of a sudden, I guess he had kidney issues. Um, you know, the numbers weren't that high, but it was enough to do him in. So I took him to the vet a couple of times, 
I brought him home a couple of times, and I knew I had to take him back for one more Hail Mary, and he died at the vet overnight um, alone, which that kills me. Because your plan had been, I guess, to put him down while you were there, right? The next day, yeah. Yeah, now, the next day. Now, now, talk to me, Leah, about how important that is. Because when you get a pet, you know, there's a very, very high likelihood you're going to go through this, right? Always. The, you're you're yeah. going to outlive them. Yeah. But having dealt with this with my wife, who's very much an animal lover, I mean, when she lost her, her cat a couple years ago, um, I'd never seen anything like it. I mean, I, I've never yeah. seen anyone react to a human loss like she reacted to her cat, but she exactly. was she was there with the cat as we put the cat down. Of course. And I think that helped in her grieving process at least a little bit, although she's still grieving to this day. Yeah. Tell, tell me how not being there has impacted you. Okay, well, first of all, it doesn't help in the grieving process to be there. The reason that you're there is because... You promised that animal that she would be there till the end. So you cannot abandon him when he needs you the most. Which is what I did. No, you didn't, Leah. Come on. Come on, Leah. That's that's not fair. That's not fair. I mean, that, that dog knew that you loved him. And that, that dog, I mean, come on. That dog didn't even understand fully what was happening. No, no, yeah, he did. No, he he did. No, Leah, I'm not just saying this because I'm your friend. The dog was not thinking in his last thoughts. Boy, Leah abandoned me. That that, that, well, that, that did it, not that did not happen. I hate to think of him being there all by himself. I understand that. I get that. It's it's highly unfortunate, but there was nothing else you could do. You were trying to save him. I know. So it's but it doesn't. I know it doesn't make it easier. Well, you nothing's going gonna... it's, to... It's just one of these things. Well, let's try to end this on a more positive note. So, obviously, knowing you're getting yourself into an inevitable tragedy when you when you get a pet like this. Yeah. So, so what made it worth it for you? What made it worth it for you <laughs> to, to go through all this with Snickers? Well, I mean, he was like a, uh, a furry little happy, innocent, relentless ball of unconditional love. Who and, wouldn't want that in their life? Boy, I wish I'd have that because, you know, all I got is a wife, a, uh, <laughs> a, a three-year-old daughter who, you know, thinks she's the uh, center of the universe because <laughs> she is, and two cats who really couldn't care less about me. So, hey, so I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's always worth it. And I'll get another senior, too. That's one thing I learned with Snickers is definitely get a senior. They are unbelievable. And I'll go get a 10-year-old again. I will, once I can move forward, because my dog at home is really lonely now. So how long will you wait? Uh, he'll come to me. He'll come to you? He will come to me. There's how, no question. How will that happen? It just happens. I'm me. Just like Snickers came to me, just like Copper came to me, just like Dennis did. I don't need to do anything. Trust me, he's coming. I'm not ready for him yet, but he'll he'll come. So this next dog will make his or her presence known to you in a way that you'll go, aha, that's my next dog. 
well, you know, somebody's going to bring me a dog. Someone's going to tell me about a dog. Somehow, I mean, look, I had a puppy. Literally, someone dropped him off on my driveway and took off. I mean, this is the way that these things happen. So I know, you know, when I'm ready, look, I've got a home. There are dogs out there that need me as much as I need them. Well, Leah, we're thinking of you. Thank we, you. Um, we appreciate you talking about it. Uh, thanks so much for your work this week. We'll talk to you next Sunday. Happy uh, Labor Day. Yeah, enjoy your day off. And uh, we'll talk you. to you next uh, Sunday. And if you're uh, interested in listening to the podcast, this program on Tuesday because of the holiday, you can check them out at freespeechbroadcasting.com. Until Sunday, so long, everybody.